I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode of the It's Utah's World podcast. Tom Hackett, check me out at Tom Can't Hackett, alongside Steve Bartle at sbartle247. He's where you can find him on the Twitter machine. He works for Utah and I work for castlesports.com. I should say utah.com. Check out the website, castlesports.com. Check out the website. And of course, Nateway Subaru, our dear and beloved sponsors, Nateway Subaru is, uh, well, they've been funding this deal for quite a while now, so uh, we love them. 1207 South Main Street, nateway.com, tell them we sent you. Say good day, grab a bag of popcorn. My favourite, my go-to is a, a bag of popcorn and uh, a juice box, an apple juice box. Nice. The apple juices, are, uh, just some, there's something about it. The crisp apple juices get me, get the blood flowing. Anyway, uh, on this week's episode, we're going to chat uh about nate johnson he was at the elite 11 steve did you go up there i unfortunately i did not i had prior engagements that i had to uh had to enjoy and so i was not able to make it to the elite 11 this year and uh, it was tough because utah you know nate johnson quarterback commit was there and Mm. uh would have been nice to to be there and get a better look at what he brings to the table but uh Nate Johnson was there and, and had a pretty good showing. Well, you've got friends in high places, so let's uh, let's stop beating around the bush, shall we, and uh, get <laughs> right into it. So, what 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 have you heard, and uh, how did he perform? Well, you know, so Nate Johnson, obviously the quarterback, uh, was the first to announce his commitment. Now that Utah has two quarterbacks, uh, I think that says a lot about their eggs in a basket, Tom. Um, yes. <laughs> The eggs in the baskets. The eggs, the eggs in the basket to 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 dig that one back up, man. Yes. That was. A... <laughs> do you know? Hey, quickly. Do you know that there are people up at Utah that still aren't over that? Like, I'll still get like. Oh, oh yeah. I'll be, I'll be speaking to people up there. They'll be like, "Well, you wouldn't want to put too many eggs in the bath." I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, man. If my if if all my stories got this much reaction, I'd." I, I wouldn't be in, in Utah. I'd be on ESPN. I need to be doing this sort of – you guys are – all you're doing is egging me on more. You're looking at the right headlines that bloody get oh, the blood flowing. Let, let me yeah. go. I'll have it. I don't give it. Oh, I know he swore. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, – yeah, that was, that's, that was definitely a story that got some reaction that uh, has been a lot of fun to, to keep, uh, keep bringing it on. It. So, yeah, it's been great. So – so obviously Utah, they've got multiple eggs in or eggs in multiple baskets. What's what would be the proper way to 
to designate this two quarterback commit situation? Is it multiple eggs in a basket or it's, no, it uh, would be, it would be eggs in multiple baskets. It would be eggs in multiple baskets. That is correct. Yes. Okay. So the one basket that we'll talk about here is Nate Johnson, a uh, tremendous dual threat type of athlete runs a 10, five, 10, four, 100 meter time. To give you an idea of what that is, Javelin Gidger ran 10-3, and he ran 4-3 in, in the 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. So kind of gives you an idea of his speed. Um, so just an, a remarkable athlete. He's new to the quarterback position in the sense that last year was his first year as a starter at the high school level. But he's been working with a quarterback coach since the eighth grade. So it's it's not new to him. You know, he's not picking up new, you know, he's not transitioning to a new position, uh, but he's, it's, it was just, they had a, a player in place at, at Clovis high school. And, um, but anyways, Nate Johnson at the elite 11 uh, showcased all of that talent, all of that dynamic ability. Uh, and, you know, he had some really, really impressive wow moments, but he also had some misses and some duds and, And I think, you know, that is to be expected with a player in Johnson's situation where, you know, he just doesn't, he hasn't had the reps that a lot of these quarterbacks have had uh, that were competing in this competition. Um, Talking about Quinn Ewers, the number one uh, quarterback in in the country, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. You got another guy in Devin Brown, who's played the position for, you know, multiple years. He's committed to USC. Um, He was a guy that really shined there. You know, a lot of these guys, they're top quarterbacks in the country. And here's Nate Johnson, pretty new to the scene. Um, but, you know, factoring in his performance in the regionals where they, the Elite 11 kind of picked the quarterbacks that would attend this finalist um, group, uh, Nate Johnson impressed. And uh, they, the Elite 11 panel reviewed, you know, his film from his junior season and evaluating all of the quarterbacks in that sense, uh, where you're considering the camp circuit, the junior season, the physical traits, the Elite 11 panel considered Nate Johnson um, the number 10 quarterback out of 20 quarterbacks um, uh, coming into the event. And so that says a lot of just about his natural talent, natural ability, um, that the Elite 11 considered him you know, a, a top 10 quarterback in the country. And, you know, that's pretty remarkable during the event. It was a four day event type of a type of a thing, had some ups and downs, had some good moments, had some bad moments. He wasn't named an elite 11 quarterback. They had 20 quarterbacks and they try to come down to 11 quarterbacks that they call the elite 11. He wasn't named an elite 11 quarterback, uh, but really, I think he did a a great job uh, showcasing his talent, showcasing his game and where he's at. And, you know, honestly, like Utah's got an absolute stud in Nate Johnson. So uh, pretty good showing for him last week at the Elite 11 Finals. Awesome. That's great. That's great news. Um, he's young and, and he's, he's, yes. not overly, he's, not, he's not developed yet. And there's still a ton of growth that needs to be had for him uh, to him before he hits his stride is, is what I'm trying to say. So hopefully prior to his arrival at Utah, he can work on that. And then I look, I have to imagine uh, he'll, he'll continue to develop while at Utah before he gets his first rep in any form of a game. But either way, look, if you can have kids that, that have a high ceiling, um, 
I love talking about ceilings and the heights of them because I think they matter a ton, but yeah. uh, I hate myself for saying what I just said about him having a high ceiling because I don't believe in ceilings. I think that I think they're fake. Everybody out here is like, so if everybody's like, Oh, I think this kid has a really high ceiling. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Like, you think he has a lot of potential? Okay. It's like, well, Coach Witt's hit his ceiling. Well, it's like, you you don't know where Coach Witt lives. You don't know how tall his ce- ceilings are. Like, who are you to say that he's reached as much as he can? Like, no, you, you guys have lost your marbles. High ceilings. It's my most hated phrase in all of sports media. Anywho. And I just said it. So I hate I myself. I love it. Yeah. No, I hate it. It's the worst, dude. Everybody's yeah. out here like... I think they yeah. know that what the future holds. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm sorry, but you've lost it. Anyway, uh, we're I, I love that tangent there, Tom. Very important. It needed to be said. I feel like I feel like media members and fans are always talking about the height of a ceiling as it relates directly <laughs> to a player or a coach. And I'm like, stop, stop using the term. Right. You have no idea. Right. What's actually going on in the program? You have no idea coach's tendency or strategy or his player development. You have no idea what he – like, even I, as somebody who played, like, I, I punted. I spent so much time with Wit. I was not in every meeting he was in. I was not in the one-on-one meetings he had with players to help them de- develop and, you know, conversations surrounding positional changes. For example, when Chase Hansen went from quarterback – to to kind of safety linebacker like i don't know how he goes about that sort of stuff so i can't i feel like i'm not even in a position to talk about uh the potential and how great you know what i saw speaking of which i saw uh i saw a uh an image on twitter the other day that ranked coach wood is the eighth best coach in the country oh yeah pff seth pff seth man. Seth Galina, I think, had had Kyle Whittingham as the number eight head coach in the country. Where do they base that from? Is it just history? I have no idea how Seth came to the conclusion that uh, Kyle Whittingham is the number eight uh, head coach in the country because he also had um, a coach that is currently at Kansas, Lance Lance Leopold. And it's like, all right, so you've got Nick Saban, you've got Dabo, you've got... Kirby Smart, I understand where you're going with this, but how do you have a guy from Kansas on your list of top 10 coaches? Like, come on, like, we're talking about Kansas here. What are you doing? It's, you know, and so it just, I don't know. But anyways, you know, Kyle Whittingham at eight, I I respect it. I respect it. Uh, It's just, you know, when you have a guy from Kansas, like, I just, it loses a lot of value. It loses a lot of legitimacy in the eyes of fans when you've got a guy from Kansas on your top list of anything. I, yeah, it's so it's, it's whatever. I can tell you how a guy from Kansas got on that list. (laughs) As a little McDonald's, there's a little McDonald's bag floating around my man. All right. Hey, I just found it. Here we go. Okay. So here's the list. Nick Saban won Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Schmart, Lincoln Riley. This is in order at number five, Dan Mullen, former Utah coach, uh, now at Florida. Six, we've got Pat Fitzgerald, who, uh, who's yeah. at, what's it called? Kansas. Northwestern. Yeah, that Northwestern. One, the one. The one that beat us down in San Diego. On the oh, yeah. Nah, come on. Come on. The one day it rained down there all year, and uh, I happen to be present. Matt Campbell <laughs> from Iowa State. Carl Whittingham at eight. 
Lance Leppold at Kansas. He's, who's, he, he is who you were talking about. And then the legendary coach, future Hall of Famer, college football Hall of Famer, if he's not already, Mac Brown. Um, yeah, so, like, 10. listen to that list. And then, like, Lance Leopold, like, who? Who Lance are you Leopold. talking about? Like, who is this guy? And so it's just, you know, whatever. Like, we don't need to make this the Lance Leopold. But I want to go back to the San Diego rain. Uh, with that Utah Northwestern game. Dude, that was the coldest rain I've ever experienced. That was the worst. Like, I don't know how to I was, and I was up in the media box, open press box. Like, normally you think, okay, we're going to San Diego. It's going to be nice weather, open press box. I'll get some sun. I'll get a nice tan while I'm working. Like, great. But that rain, dude, that rain – and the wind, it was awful, man. That was probably the worst experience I've had as a media member in my time. And I've been to Colorado. I've 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 been to I've been to the Coliseum. Yeah. Just scary places. But that that San Diego rain, man, that was awful. Dude, I, I'm with you. Like I get it. It was in December and uh so technically it's winter time, but I, I still brought my uh sombrero hat and my bloody sunnies and my flip-flops and bathers and i was at the game in a in a t-shirt and i thought uh i thought it was absolutely miserable it was so cold okay hey lance leopold here you go you want to hear this so he's at kansas now but he's only he's i don't think he's coached a game at kansas uh he's been at buffalo since 2015 yeah that's right yeah but his his head coaching record's pretty elite uh he's 146 and 39 Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So okay. he's pretty. He's pretty good. I'm trying many, to figure uh, out. Does he have any national championships? So he was like, I don't get this. So has, it says, has he beaten like Alabama in the Sugar Bowl or? No. You have anything no. like that? No. 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 Heavens. Huh. But huh. it says like um. So on Wikipedia it says I guess he coached Wisconsin Whitewater, which was like a um. A Division three school, yeah. I don't know. It's weird, but he's 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 climbed the he's climbed the ladder, which is I guess good for him. But yeah, no, Lance Leopold. Uh, I don't know how you're t- deserving of being on uh, on on such a list, but good good for him, I guess. All the good more for power him. to him. Yeah, he's one he's one spot below Carl Whittingham. When you think about what Carl Whittingham, Mac Brown, who's at ten. Think about what those guys have been able to accomplish yeah. as a head coach, you know. And and then you've got Division three. Wisconsin Whitewater, former former coach at number nine. Anyway, good for him, I guess. Right. Yeah, all the more power to him. But number eight in the country for Carl Whittingham. I guess that's a more important subject here. I, uh, I, I think I, I think I, I agree with Pro Football Focus. I think Carl Whittingham is a tremendous coach um, for more than one reason, but no more than the fact that he wins football games more often yeah. than not. Uh, he he knows how to win. Uh, he's not yet in, this is just an opinion. Uh, he's, he's in my, in my eyes, he hasn't proven to be able to win at a high level in a power five conference. Um, but that's just that look, don't shoot the messenger. That, that, that is just me. Uh, I will never get over the fact that Utah lost to Oregon in 2019. And that's kind of where that, that comes from that, that statement. Yeah. There's no reason. Yeah. Utah was the better team, Steve, in 2019, yeah. and they blew it. And, and I have yeah. opinions about it, and maybe we can – I'm sure I've said on the podcast before we could save it for another time, but Utah was, was the best team in the Pac-12 that year, and they crumbled down the stretch. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you there, Tom. I, I think you know Kyle Whittingham is one of the best coaches in the country. When you look at his resume, his tenure, what he's done, what he's accomplished in transitioning from the Mountain West to the Pac-12, and now Utah's a heavy favorite almost year in year out. You know, to to win the bloody thing here. Uh, but yeah, I think th- obviously the only thing that's missing uh, is is the hardware, right? And I think that's kind of, you know, why we're seeing Utah sort of load up this offseason in the transfer portal. They feel they've got a pretty darn good team. And, you know, if there's ever a year to, to you know, load up, like, let's let's do it, man. Let's let's get back into the driver's seat in the South Division and let's let's go for it. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you there, Tom. I think Kyle Whittingham is is one of the best. When you do this as long as Kyle Whittingham has, and yeah. you are as successful as Kyle Whittingham has been, you've got to be a little crazy, a little direct, a little obsessive when it comes to winning. Like you just have to have, you got to be different. You got to have just that mental, like, just, it's like, I don't know how else to describe it, but just, I don't want to call it like deranged, but you've got to be just completely obsessed with winning with respecting the process, with trusting the process, with working the process, whatever the process, whatever needs to be done with the process, you've got to be obsessed with it. And Kyle Whittingham has mastered that, all of that, all of the processes and whatever needs to be done with the processes, he's done it. Um, And, you know, I, I hope, I hope that we can sit here one day and we can talk about the rings on that man's finger um, because he's uh man, he's uh, you know, he's, he's brought Utah to, to the highest levels in the PAC 12. Just, just got to close the deal now. That's it. That's all he's got to do. And and the key there is for me anyway, is at the power five level. Cause I know when, when I, when yeah. I made that comment a few minutes ago, whatever the people out there would be screaming, at me listening to me saying, well, yeah. what about 08? And I'm like, that's fine. I, there's a difference. Sir. There's a big, big difference. I, I, if you look at the 08 schedule, uh, the best team they played was number 11 TCU. And then they, they also played number 16 BYU uh, in the final, final game prior to the Alabama victory. Outside of that, I mean, they opened at Michigan, but Michigan were unranked. They then played like, Look at this, UNLV, Utah State, Air Force, Weber State, Oregon State, who were no good at the time, Wyoming, Colorado State, New Mexico. I mean, it's just, it's different now that they're in the Pac-12 because you pull up any season since 2011 and maybe the non-conference slate of games isn't all that impressive. But then as soon as you get into that nine-game conference slate, it's on almost every single week. And, And I think... The Pac-12 South, in particular, Steve, uh, has been has been top to bottom pretty strong, pretty strong. Not every year, but most years, the Colorados of the world are, uh, are okay. You know, they're not bad. Yeah. They they're, they're dangerous if they play well. Arizona, who struggled over the last five years, I'd say, they've got players. You know, Oregon State were really bad for a stretch there. Uh, I, Cal, really, really bad for a stretch there. I value the Pac-12 South greater than I do the Pac-12 North. Um, 
And I think it's a different ball game personally. And I wasn't around in the Mountain West era, so maybe I'm biased. But at the end of the day, that nine-game conference slate of games year in and year out that Utah has to handle as a member of the Pac-12, it, it gets to you uh, as a player. And I know as a coach as well, it's grueling. It's tiresome. You can't uh, go through the motions now, you know, as if you were playing Wyoming um, in the middle of November. You've got you've got to be able to uh, to come out every single week and perform uh, because if you don't, the Colorados of the world will beat you. It's happened in the past. Yeah. So um, I value the Power Five era uh, as. As certainly a success for Kyle Whittingham. I want to take nothing away from him in that regard. I, I'm just yet to see a championship. And I personally believe that over the last handful of years, there have been Utah teams good enough to win championships. Uh, and not just one. I think you know, that game in the 2018 against Washington is another example. Jason Shelley was playing. I get that. They weren't at full strength. They were banged up, ton of injuries, I understand. But they're in that ball game and they played well. Uh, they yeah. probably weren't. They probably weren't the better team on the night, um, but that's okay. They they were at least there. They they've had a couple of cracks at it yet to yet to prevail. So uh, I would love nothing more than to see Utah football lift the Pac-12 trophy at the end of the season because I think it's deserving uh, and it would be reminiscent of a lot of hard work uh, yeah. that, that the players and coaching staff have put in. But that's the one thing for me when I when I speak to people about Carl Whittingham. He's a great. Great fella, good man. Uh, I've always admired and appreciated his work. Uh, but if there's any criticism from me, it's just the fact that he's yet to lift. And I'm not saying I can do it by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he's yet to lift a, uh, a, a bit of silverware since being a member of the Pac-12. Well, and I think Kyle Whittingham would tell you that same thing too. Like, I don't think, you know, the, the – I think he's as critical of himself as any of us are, right? When it comes to winning the conference and, you know, winning a Pac-12 championship, like he wants it just as bad as any of us want. Like he wants it more even than than any of us could ever want it, right? Like he is absolutely obsessed with it. And so uh, I, I, I totally agree with you, Tom. I think, I think Kyle would, would, uh, would echo your statements that he needs it as well. Um, Maybe he doesn't, he, maybe he wouldn't say he needs it, but he definitely wants it. And so, uh, you know, regardless of all that, I think, you know, something else that is worth mentioning is as much as these, you know, top coaching lists, top head coaches are about the head coaches themselves. It's about the staffs that they have. And, you know, what Kyle Whittingham has done in bringing in a staff with, you know, Morgan Scally, Sharif Shaw, you've got a, you've had a great defensive secondary for years. Now you've got a defense that's been one of the tops in the country uh, for the last five, six years. Uh, you've always been strong, but now you've, now you're becoming one of the elite defenses in the country. Uh, and now you've got Andy Ludwig who is now in year three with the program. And um, I know, you know, last year was what it was. It was ugly. It was not fun, but you still did a lot of good things on offense. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they've, I think, you know, the staff around him deserves a lot of credit for, you know, Kyle Whittingham's su- success and for the, the recognition that he receives, you know, in these preseason lists and all that, like the coaching staff 
And, and even beyond the assistant coaches, the coordinators, even extending that to the recruiting staff and the auxiliary staff and all of that, like Utah's got a lot of really good people that are really good at their job because, you know, Utah, Utah isn't in the heart of Los Angeles. It isn't in the South where you've just got a plethora of athletes. Utah's got a lot of really good athletes, but you know, it's, it's, it's different in those areas. Right. And so it's, it's, it's not easy to get the elite talent here. You've got to coach, you've got to develop, you've got to work. And yeah, you know, Utah's kind of found their groove on the recruiting trail. They've kind of found their groove as coaches and developers. And, you know, it's, it's all really kind of come together over the last four years. And so, you know, just again, just to make the point that uh, Kyle Whittingham is great uh, but his coaching staff is also great. They are elite. The way I explain Coach Whittingham to anybody that asks is I consider him uh, essentially the ultimate CEO of uh, the Utah yeah. football business model. He, um, he, di- he diverts um, responsibility well, uh, and he, he allows his assistants uh, to coach the players that they're responsible for and he, he's not necessarily the sort of coach that straps on the cleats and runs out there for practice uh, running around with, with the boys. He's, he's kind of sitting back and just uh, making sure everything's running smoothly and he likes what he sees. If he doesn't like what he sees, he'll then blow his whistle and intrude. But he's the ultimate CEO uh, when it comes to uh, coaches for me. And I think... It's not a bad thing. Uh, there are other coaches that do it differently, and that and that's okay. Um, but he's learned to to kind of hang back, uh, assert his authority when needed. Uh, but he he sits back and and just makes sure his assistants are uh, taking responsibility and and making make, making their paycheck. You know, make make it worth them. You know, if you're going to pay Morgan Scally nearly a million dollars, you better make sure he's getting his hands dirty running the defense. Uh, and Carl Winningham, although he's on what, three and a half, four million bucks. He's, his job is to oversee the team and to make sure the team is, is running um, functionable and, and smoothly and, and, and it's well-oiled. Um, that's his job. And if he can do that and, and, and put people around him that can do their jobs, then that's, that's his formula and that's what he's done and that's what he will continue to do. But I think what's interesting, Steve, is the man's 61. He's turning 62 in November this year. Father time waits for nobody. Jamie, his beloved wife, will want him to retire at some point. They have a lot of shrapnel in the bank, believe it or not. They like to travel. They try and travel as often as they can. They just don't get to do it often. They, they, you know, Jamie's going to want to see the world. He's got grandkids now that he wants to spend more time with. You know, So if they, if they don't win a championship over the next two, three years, you know, pay close attention to the way Carl Whittingham handles himself you may get a sense that the pressure is starting to mount. I don't think it's, I don't think he's feeling any pressure at the minute, but he's not, he's no spring chicken. He's 61 going on 62 and he wants a PAC 12 title. He feels and rightfully so that he is deserving of a PAC 12 championship. Uh, and it's yet to come. So it'd be interesting over the coming years. If they can't, if they can't win, Pac-12 title. Uh, just keep just keep a close eye on on the way he handles himself. Maybe we'll start to see a bit of pressure unfold and some cracks start to appear. I, I look. I certainly hope not. And I think this year 
is a is a formidable team, and they they're going to put themselves in a position to to win the Pac-12 championship. But that'll get really serious early in the year when they play both Arizona State and USC in back-to-back games. Uh, that'll that, and we've spoken about this on this podcast. Dude, that's the key. Those two weeks right there. They want to contend for a, if they want to seriously contend for a Pac-12 championship, you better take care of business uh, at home against Arizona State, uh, and hopefully on the road against USC. Something they haven't done in boy, I don't know, a hundred and something years now. It's been a long time. So if they go two and zero there, I'm driving to Vegas and I'm throwing coin on the Utes to win the Pac-12 title. But if they go zero and two, there's very little to if any chance. And mind you. Both games are difficult. They could go 0-2, especially if they get some injuries in, in you know, at the start of the year or chemistry isn't quite what they thought it could be. Uh, there's a real chance they go 0-2 in those games. There's also a real chance they go 2 and 0 I'm sorry for being a realist, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles when it comes to 18-year-old kids strapping the, the pads on going out there on a Saturday just after they've, they've gotten an F on their uh, English test or their girlfriend's broken up with them, you know, their head cases. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Steve. Like you I, would know. I can't. Uh, no F's for me, man. I was nothing but a D. <laughs> nothing but a D for me. D's get degrees is what they told me upon arrival here in Salt Lake City. I followed that until I graduated. Look where it's gotten me. Not very far. All right. Hey, I saw something from USC football that they put out on Twitter, Steve. I asked the people to chime in. So uh I, I look, here's the deal. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be perfectly frank. I think Utah does a really bad job at involving celebrities when it comes to exposure. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm sorry, I do. I just I, I don't know how else to say it, man. Yeah. Get I, I don't think there is any other way to say it. <laughs> How about we get Post Malone to a game? Uh, it's a thought, just a thought. You're telling me he's repping Utah hats on on bloody Rogan's podcast and you can't find a way to get him into a game? That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Get him to a game. Donovan Mitchell's at a game. Give him the exposure he wants. Put him on the billboard for maybe longer than 30 seconds. I don't know. Look, like, just do better. USC does a really good job they got seth rogan and all these big celebrities and i get it i get it it's la they got them running out on the field steve so i just posed the question who do the fans the people of utah who do you want to see if utah pulled their finger out of their beep and actually had a celebrity <laughs> run a team out who would you want steve, uh, what do you reckon man who would you go well with? look I think the I think one factor here that needs to be considered is the fact that USC is running out of a tunnel, whereas Utah has been running out of a bounce house. Like I like, come on. With all due respect to the bounce house, like come on. Like come on. This isn't, this I'm isn't just no kindergarten, man. Yeah, come on. Like grown ass adults trying to play football. That's what I'm saying. And and so, you know, I think I think for me, the most exciting thing about the South End Zone renovation is the fact that I think it means the death of the bounce house. I think we're going to get a football team that will run out of a tunnel of sorts. I don't know. I've heard things, but you mean maybe like a concrete cave. Is it yeah, caves? something like that. Yeah, something like that. You know, I've 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 heard 
there's the possibility that maybe Utah runs out of the, the center doors in the new South end zone. If you look at the renovation, you, you see the doors, you know, behind the field goal post. I've heard that they may run out of that. Like I've, I've just heard things. I don't know for sure. Don't quote me on it. Don't, you know, that's not, but I've heard things. Okay. So I'd be the guy, I'd be the guy if I were playing in today's era, that's running behind like a, like a Nick Ford or a big bam, you know, the, yeah. Or Bam Oliseni, and and then at the last second they divert, and I go straight into the bloody goalpost. That that would be me if we were that, running yeah. out of that tunnel. I no awareness, no awareness, zero awareness. I'd go straight into it head first. I'd be seeing stars the rest of the game. It'd be nightmare. Anyway, sorry, Steve, didn't mean to cut so, you off. So celebrity. Uh, well, you know, obviously you bring up Post Malone. I, Post I think Malone, for man. for the for the people, you know, that are, you know, up to date on celebrities and all that kind of stuff, I think Post Malone would would be a, a you know, he'd be high on the list. But let's go through this, man. Let's have some fun with this. Like would Malone, would Chris dude. would oh. Chrissy Teigen would she be willing to run the team out on the field? What's her um, connection? Remind me her. Is she, she from Utah? She, yeah, she's from Utah. She's from uh, she's from a small town in Utah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, look, I am all for Chrissy. I hate the woman on television. I think she's yeah. just she, bring she John, like, bring bring John Legend with you. I think that would yes. be a tremendous duo. Dude, um, and if you could get like Post Malone one week, and you're running out to a Post Malone song, and then you get John Legend, and you're running out to one of his remix songs because all of his are kind of mellow, but like get something, crank it up. Let's go! Like, come on, man. that would like that would get the crowd in their seats earlier one and get the Bud Light flowing too. Like it would be pumping in there. You, you can't buy beer at Rice Eccles Stadium, but everybody all comes filled with alcohol in their system. If they see Post Malone in front of the team, revving everybody up, you're up and about as a fan. I mean, the blood starts to really flow at that point. It's on. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think obviously you've got the best of the Utah Jazz. I think any anybody from the Utah Jazz would be great. Uh, Dwayne Wade. Oh, uh, yeah. Dwayne Wade, Gabriel Reunion. That would be a great duo to to run out of the tunnel. Um, really trying to rack my brain here. Alex Smith, obviously, any any time yeah. you can bring back, you know, former youths, I think that's great. Um, there's just Tom. There's I'm looking for famous people from Utah, and I the list is very short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of a lot of people with ties to Utah here. For a long time, there wasn't a ton going on around these parts. Uh, it's only been as of late that I think people have started to flock here. Uh, yeah. To be perfectly honest, like, I don't even, I don't, I'm not like all that particular. It's like, so you don't have, in, this is just my opinion, but you don't have to have like a connection to Utah to, to do this. That's I, if true. You're, if you're in town, if that person's in town, like think about all of the movies that be, that get filmed here. There are celebrities that are constantly within the state boundaries. Get them to a game if it's during fall. Whoa. Here we go. So, what do you got? Jerry Buss, the former Los Angeles Laker owner, yeah. was born in Salt Lake City. Get him so out. here's well, he's dead. 
Um, so oh. here's the thing. Uh, daughter, son, still operating the, the Los Angeles Lakers. You bring them out the next time USC plays, you know, yes. here in Salt Lake City. Just the mind total games. mind game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they're like, oh, that's that's Jeannie Buss. What's she doing? Oh, she's running out with the Utah football team. That's what. Oh, like, dude. This is now now this is this is where this gets fun is the mind games that you can yes. play with with this thing, man. And but here's the other thing I'll I'll get to while we're talking about it, is it's like like you've got to rev the 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 celebrity up. Like you've got to, you've yeah. got to fire them up. Like, so like Seth Rogen, right. Just, I haven't seen any footage of him leading USC out, but I saw a photo of him leading USC out. And it's like, can you imagine like when Seth gets into his, his mode, like his, like, I don't know if you saw the zoom interview he did with the Seahawks where he just started grilling the players in front of the team. It was like, it was a few <laughs> years ago. I think it was so funny, but it was so intense. Like if he gets in front of a, a, a packed Rice Eccles stadium, granted everybody needs to show up on bloody time and not midway through the first quarter, but that's for another conversation for another day. If you can get a packed Rice Eccles in there, upgrade the stadium, put LED lights in so it's a disco, and then you've got the south end zone and all of the, all of the uh, amenities that that provides and offers. This, I mean, like, and then you've got Seth Rogen out there with a microphone, not even, doesn't even need to have a microphone, just face on this big screen, like revving him up, just like fists yeah. are in the air. He's jumping up and back, up and about. Like that would send Rice Eccles Stadium crazy and it would provide the energy the team needs to ensure they get off to a good start Hence, put themselves in better positions to win better, more football games. Hence, put themselves on a national platform and therefore get more recruits that are better and highly skilled. It, it, all, it all rocket science, Mark. No, no. I'm talking to it, Mark Harlan. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't rocket science, Mark. What? What if we? What if we got like Donald Duck or Daffy Duck when the Oregon Ducks come play? Here in yes. Salt Lake City, like and if, borrowing look, from Disneyland or something, have him run out of the tunnel and just, you know, like. Oh, look, Mark, if you li- if you're listening to this, Mark, open up a job title. Steve and I will take over. The only thing is like we need we need like celebrities. Uh, yeah, but no, no. But I mean, like we need like 100K each. Oh, to run oh to yeah. The- Otherwise, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do I, it. But- I would not accept the job for anything less. Yeah, like 100K or bust, Mark, but I know you've got it in. Yeah, we'll go find the celebrities. We'll handle all of the communication. We'll set them up on game day. We'll show them around once they get done doing their thing. But we'll do it. We'll do everything. We'll take care of it. We'll handle it. It's just we need 100K and a job to do it. But, dude, I, I, I saw that USC post in all seriousness, and I just could not believe that Utah hadn't done something similar. Like, what is that all about? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think a lot of it has to – I honestly think a lot of it has to do with the bounce house. And so that's why I'm so happy that the bounce house uh, is is allegedly dead. Uh, and so we now have the opportunity to to have, you know, celebrity and, and famous people and other important, you know, people uh, lead the team out. For, for big games. I think it's a great opportunity for Utah. 
And, uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, I hope that we see it, Tom. Dude, <laughs> my fingers are crossed, but, uh, I always expect the worst and it generally happens. So <laughs> not going to expect much to come of it because, uh, I guess, yeah, my, our ideas aren't they're not all that relevant. Or, and listen, uh, like if, if our listeners are still listening to the podcast at this point, like, God bless you. <laughs> oh, dude, they're all in. I guarantee you our listeners are still here. This is the sort of stuff. This is the content that people come to us for, Steve, is it, we speak to Mark Harlan as if he's on the podcast. I mean, that's the sort of stuff they like to hear because it's like, you know, we're talking a little SHI, you know, the last letter type thing. It's like, come on, Mark, pull, pull your head out, dog. What are you waiting for? <laughs> you, you can do, I can't do that. You, you are the one, you know, talking, talking the smack. I, I am not that guy. I will not be that guy. And if I did, I, you know, <laughs> I would probably not be in, in, uh, in my job much longer. <laughs> Steve, you're fine. You've got the cachet. You've Steve, got the no. cachet. Tom. If anything happens, blame me. That's Mark, I love you. Yeah, Mark, yeah. you're doing a great job. Yeah, Mark, you're doing a good job, but it could be better. Now, uh, if, if you get in trouble, Steve, just blame me. I tell a lot of people that and it seems to work out okay. He's Steve Bartle. I'm Tom Hackett at SBartle247 or at TomCarnHackett. YouTube.com's got a seven-day free trial. Or you can head to KSLSports.com and check us out there. Nateway Super is our sponsor, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. Tell them we sent you. The apple juice is good. Popcorn's better. Uh, and I think if you drive a Subaru right now and you want to trade it in, you can even get yourself in a 2021 model for as much as you're paying for your older model, sometimes even cheaper. Don't ask me how it works, but it sounds like a cracking deal. That's 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. We'll be back next week. Adios. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.